1: what's going on everybody welcome to the upper hand fantasy podcast this is faraz Siddiqui. i'm here with zach rizzuto we're gonna go over all of the trades that happened right before the trade deadline that was an exciting one man we didn't expect well i didn't expect that many trades to go down because usually when it comes to the nfl trade deadline it doesn't get too crazy it usually doesn't get too crazy Yeah. yeah it's like you know maybe one or two guys get moved and it's usually no big names right uh, mm-hmm. but we got a couple of you know fantasy relevant trades that went down more than a couple actually so yeah. uh let's get right into it man there's been a few uh big ones and the biggest one for me was Naheem Hines being yeah. traded to the Bills um Naheem Hines he's one of the best pass catchers in the NFL right and he's going to one of the league's best offenses now and the Bills have been trying to get their guy for a while now, right? They they drafted Devin Singletary in the third round in 2019. They drafted Zach Moss in the third round in 2020. Uh, and then they specifically started to go after pass catching running backs, right? They started to get more pass heavy, right? And yeah. that's pretty much what they wanted to do. Um, so they then they then tried to sign Chase Edmonds believe it or not, if you remember, last offseason when he was a free agent, he ended up signing with Miami. Apparently, they were very close to signing a deal. All right, Mm -hmm. Um, They literally had JD McKissick locked in until McKissick changed his mind last minute uh, in free agency himself. And then then they drafted James Cook. And all three of those guys were pass-catching specialists. And then they were in the running to get Christian McCaffrey. So what does all of this tell you about Devin Singletary? That he's not their answer in the receiving game, right? Right. And you know, he, if you look at Singletary's work this season, he's had more than 10 carries only three times. And uh, he's third in the NFL in routes run per game. And if you look at his efficiency, right among those 19 running backs who had at least 25 targets this year and his, he has 0.98 yards per route run on the season. And that's tied for second to last. And Mm -hmm. when you look at last year, He was last in yards per route run among qualified running backs. So, you look at what Naheem Hines did, you know, over his whole career, he's been a very efficient pass catcher. Uh, This year, fifth among qualifying running backs with 1.88 yards per route run. That's only behind Alvin Kamara, Antonio Gibson, who's a former wide receiver, Brees Hall, Christian McCaffrey, and Austin Eckler. Yeah. And last year, he was seventh in yards per route run among qualified running backs. last last season right so right you know it it doesn't seem like james cook is all the way ready based in this move like they're in a super bowl window right now right they're trying to go all in and win this year i'm not so worried about james cook in in terms of like dynasty um but i think in terms of a super bowl super bowl window i think that's that heinz is going to help him do that and my assumption is that he is going to be running a ton of routes for josh allen and i think he could potentially see Five to seven targets a game, you know, in addition to maybe a few carries on the ground. And I think, yeah, I think he's going to end up as a potential PPR RB2 with upside on the Bills.
0: I think this is an awesome move. You know, the Bills clearly have an agenda and they know what they want to do on offense. You know, Devin Singletary, he was getting it done, but that was just, you know, they had him there. So, that's who they were using. But with Naeem Hines now, you know, he is the pass-catching specialist that they're wanting. This wasn't a run-first offense ever, and it's going, not going to be that way the rest of the season. They didn't add Naeem Hines to run the ball. They added him to catch the ball. I, I like this move a lot, too, maybe even a little bit more than you. I think that he's going to take a lot of work from Devin Singletary. I, I, I don't know how much he's going to see the field, and that's why I was a little bit reluctant. I know we talked about on this podcast Devin Singletary maybe being a bye, and I didn't necessarily anticipate the Bills going out and making this type of move. This only hurts Devin Singletary's stock. I, I don't see how Devin Singletary is going to get a majority of the snaps. Um, I think they're going to run a lot more pass plays and run plays, especially with Naeem Hines in the mix now. Um, I think that he has really good upside. You know, I, I don't see how uh, – I think that he might be a solid RB2 upside, you know, and his floor should be safe because of his receiving work, you know, much more so than Devin Singletary, who's probably going to be getting, you know, early down work maybe if he can hold on to that. It's still just going to be runs, majority of runs for him, you um, They've been telegraphing. It seemed obvious, you know, especially like you said, with the guys they were pursuing between Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick and other guys that they wanted to get a pass catching back. They finally have it. And I think they're going to use them.
1: And they got a good one. You know, they got a better one, you know, than the ones that they're pursuing, you know, like JD McKissick. Well, you know, JD McKissick's up there, I think with Naheem Hines, like these two guys over the past several years, you know, they've been, you know, two of the best pass catching specialists in the NFL out of the backfield. So, Either of those guys, I think, would have been a big part of their game plan. They wanted James Cook to be that guy, but it just doesn't seem like he's ready. Uh, and that's yeah. fine. But listen, the Bills are about that business right now. They're trying to win a Super Bowl, and they're trying to compete with the Chiefs, and they're trying to win that win that big game in the playoffs, and they're trying to do whatever they can to do it, and they're just trying to make their offense unstoppable. And no. it'll be interesting to see where Naheem Hines falls in the pecking order of target share, right? Stephon Diggs is all the way up, to, up at the top, but who's next, right? right. Like, there is a huge gap and a huge delta between Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis uh, when it comes to target share. So we'll see where Naheem Hines falls in that range. Now, as far as Devin Singletary goes, it obviously hurts him, right? Like he's running so many routes, a lot of that's going to go to Naheem Hines and the early down back on this offense is not going to be worth that much uh, because there aren't a lot of goal line carries to go around for running backs on this offense. And Naheem Hines might take a few of those carries away on early downs as well. I don't see him, you know, just, You know, because you got to switch it up a little bit, right? Like, I don't see Naheem Hines just, you know, running out of the backfield and catching passes. I don't think he's going to have zero carries and, like, seven targets a game, right? It's going to be, you know, two or three at least, at the very least. So, um, this is going to be interesting to watch moving forward. And this offense just got a little bit better. Um,
0: I I don't really see a world where, you know, Devin Singletary doesn't lose 90% of his receiving work. Especially with Naeem Hines there. You know, I, I don't see a world where he holds on to more than, you know, a, a catch or two a game. I don't think he's going to get that many looks.
1: Naeem Hines was holding back Jonathan Taylor, right. right? And and let's talk about the impact on the Colts now. Like, if we're going to, going to assume that Jonathan Taylor is healthy, I think he ends up eventually having a three down role. And I've seen a lot of people saying that Deion Jackson is going to fill Naeem Hines' role. And I, I really doubt that. Uh, it, you know, it takes right. a special pass catcher like Naheem Hines to take Jonathan Taylor off the field. And that was the reason Hines was on the field at times over Jonathan Taylor. It's because of the fact that he's legit in the receiving game, one of the best in the NFL. Um, and, you know, Deion Jackson filled in admirably for JT this season, but that doesn't make him Naheem Hines replacement, you know, in in a rotation. Um, yeah. You know, JT was actually, he was already the primary third down back. He just wasn't mm-hmm. playing the two minute offense. Like that was all Naheem Hines this year. So, I don't think that, you know, Deion Jackson is going to come in and play that 2-minute offense. I think it's going to be Jonathan Taylor, assuming that he's healthy. You know, uh, yeah. you know, th- they did sign um, Jordan Wilkins, like like if you remember a couple of years ago Jordan Wilkins was in this uh it, part of a rotation like early mm-hmm. in Jonathan Taylor's career. Um, but he kind of fell off the map, but they did sign him to to sign him to their practice squad. Um, so now they have Zach Moss who came in on the, in a trade as in that trade as well. Uh, Zach Moss, they have Jordan Wilkins on the practice squad. They have, and they have Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. And Deion Jackson. It's only
0: good. This move is only good news for Jonathan Taylor. I think, you know, I think at the beginning of the season, you know, we heard all the reports, you know, Oh, we don't want to, you know, overuse Jonathan Taylor. Now you've just removed Naeem Hines from the mix. And it's pretty clear that your offense isn't going anywhere without Jonathan Taylor. I think now they kind of have to give Jonathan Taylor that workload. You know, your quarterbacks, the passing game isn't, you know, helping you out. You know, the running game hasn't been perfect. And we know Jonathan Taylor's been a little bit banged up, but he's going to come back healthy. I think he's going to get majority of the workload again. And he should, like I said, I think I'm not going to bet against Jonathan Taylor. I think he's going to come back and look a lot more like Jonathan Taylor than he has in the past few weeks, especially if he can pick up just a little bit of the passing work. You know, obviously he had a couple, he had a couple games where he had some, Target's coming his way, but it, it hasn't been consistent. I think it'll be a little bit more consistent, his workload now, a little bit more diverse, and it'll help him in the long run to be – you know, have a higher floor, I think, than he's had. He's, I think his upside is still attainable. He's just still a few weeks out from that, I think. I think he will get there, though. But in the meantime, this receiving work that is going to be left by Naeem Hines should be split. Um, some of it's – going. the most of it's going to go, I think, to Jonathan Taylor, and that's going to help him. Um, better weeks are ahead because of this, um, even more so than before. Because Naeem Hines was moved.
1: Yeah, as of right now, uh, it's noon on the East Coast, so we haven't got any word on the Colts' practice status just yet. But we'll see. You know, if if Jonathan Hill is practicing today, he might not. You know, because he did right. twist his ankle again on Sunday, so he might not. You know, the reports later in the week probably a little bit more. You know, accurate and more uh, predictive of whether he's going to play this weekend. Uh, but just make sure that you know if if um, Deion Jackson is available on your waiver wire, whether you have JT or not. Probably a good idea to pick him up right now. Yeah. Okay. We had TJ Hawkinson uh, traded to the Vikings, who basically have lost Irv Smith for the season. Uh, this is an upgrade for the Vikings offense, for TJ Hawkinson as well. Uh, Kirk Cousins gets an upgrade too. And, you know, if you look at, like, how he's performed and how Irv Smith has performed, it's kind of night and day. Um, you know, uh, like, when you look at, when you, when you kind of look deep, deep in this, uh, you know, among 11, let's see, there's 17 tight ends this year with at least 30 targets. And Irv Smith was dead last in yards per route run. Uh TJ Hawkinson was fifth in yards per route run. And that was only behind Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, David Njoku, and Dallas Goddard. Obviously, that big game played a huge role um in, in that in those numbers, but you got to count it all, right? Yeah. Um and if Irv Smith was second on the team, and he was, by the way, in targets per route run ahead of Adam Thielen. I think, Hawkins, I think Hawkinson is going to earn some targets on this team and be a solid tight end, tight end one for you, for fantasy.
0: Yeah, I don't think this world where he isn't a tight end one. I'm not so sure i call him, you know, an elite tight end one. I'm not going to put him right into that top five, top six, like you say, where you can start them every week and they're reliable and you can just, you know, set it and forget it. I'm not necessarily at that point with TJ Hawkinson in Minnesota yet. I do think Adam Thielen is going to stick around and be a pain. You know, that's just the kind of way he's been, especially for Justin Jefferson owners. Those quiet weeks, you can kind of attribute some of that to Adam Thielen. Um, but I, I, it's a really good addition on paper. Um, I'm curbing my enthusiasm just a little bit. It is exciting. I think TJ Hawkinson's in a better spot than he was in Detroit. Not only is it a better offense, but he should have a, a bigger role. I think he's going to be able to get more targets because Kirk Cousins is just a little bit better than, than Jared Goff, I think. So I, yeah. I think that, I think that. Um, you know, Obviously, he's going to be much better than he was in Detroit. Um, but I want, I want to see how he does. You know, I want to see how he gets used this first week coming back. Uh, I think that there's a lot to be excited about. But like I said, I'm just kind of tempering expectations for this week. It might take a week or two before we see him kind of get, you know, into the actual flow of the offense. It is already Wednesday. He does have – he should get a full week of practice. But, um, you know, that remains to be seen. So, I'm just curving my enthusiasm a little bit, but it's a good move overall. Um, bottom line is TJ Hawkinson's stock just went up.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Let's see. Uh, now, as far as the Lions go, like on that side of the ball, like, I don't really – I don't know if it helps anyone specifically. Um, Amon Rae, St. Brown, you know, he's going to continue to get targeted at an elite rate. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe Josh Reynolds can get some extra targets going his way. That would be ideal, you know, to, ha- to have the targets just like more concentrated between like Amon Ra and Josh Reynolds. But we'll see, right? Um, The next tight ends to step up are Brock Wright followed by James Mitchell. Mitchell's more intriguing – to me, uh, but Brock Wright is likely, you know, to get the first crack at the job to replace Hawkinson. Like for fantasy right now, I'm not really interested in either of them, but we should keep an eye on what the route participation looks like this in this first week without Hawkinson. Are they sharing the role or it's one guy getting it all?
0: Right. I don't think the lines are gonna be you know, any different as far as are they going to throw more or run more because of this. Um, Even though TJ Hawkins had that one big day, you know, they have plenty of weapons that they can rely on in the passing game. I don't think it's going to change the way they play offense too much. I'm not picking up any of the Lions tight ends and saying, all right, you know, maybe you can start them and have a little value. We've seen how tight ends are this year. I don't think there's anything to be excited about too much. You might add one prospectively if you're in a really bad spot at tight end, but otherwise, you know, I'm just keeping my hands off of it. The offense remains, you know, just about the same as it was prior to the trade.
1: All right, let's let's take a look at this trade from the 49ers to the Dolphins. Jeff Wilson was traded to Miami after the Dolphins traded away Chase Edmonds to the Broncos in the Bradley Chubb deal. It's funny, like the Bradley Chubb got traded, that was the big name. And then if you look in the trade details, you see that you see that Chase Edmonds was dealt in that deal. Um, but but let's start with Jeff Wilson real quick. Edmonds was completely you know, phased out of the Dolphins offense, right? He played only 36% of the Dolphins snaps, you know, after coming in as a big money free agent. Um, But, you know, okay, we can hit on Edmonds. But, you know, I think the problem with Edmonds in Miami was that he didn't fit the outside zone run scheme, right? And Mike McDaniel thought he could add that to his game given how explosive he was, you know, if he can figure out that one cut burst and run through and, you know, Run through that line. He will. He'll be able to like pick up some big plays, but it just didn't work out, um, you know. And because if, for me personally, like if I if I'm thinking like, all right, if this guy can figure that one cut, right, one cut and run, bouncing off tackle, you think about a guy like Edmonds. That's kind of intriguing, right? Yeah. But apparently, those those zone those outside zone running uh, run scheme like it just didn't happen for him. Um, when Edmonds was in Arizona, he was playing. A, on an inside zone run scheme offense. And he said himself this offseason that he was getting used to that and it's just different. Um, and it looks like he never got used to it. So yeah, and they just shipped him off because there there was no hope. Uh Jeff Wilson, on the other hand, he's an outside zone guy, right? And obviously had success with that under Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. And, you know, we'll see if Mike McDaniel always wanted this to be a committee between Chase Edmonds and Mostert right? Yeah. Like, now that he has someone who knows his offense so well, maybe he does just that. And, and there's no way to know right now, but you have to think, given Mostert's injury history, given his age, that it might be a good idea for them, right? Like, maybe not for fantasy, because that wouldn't be good. <laughs> but for real-life purposes, it might be a good idea to lessen the workload a little bit on on Raheem Mostert.
0: Yeah. And, and I'll hit on the Dolphins, you know, backfield soon when we talk about buys and sells this week. But with Jeff Wilson coming and Chase Edmonds being shipped out, I think that, you know, the familiar face in Jeff Wilson is going to work a lot better just because they have that history and that connection between Raheem Moster and Mike McDaniel. Um, Chase Edmonds, you know, we, we were a little bit higher on him than most, you know, coming into the season. We thought if he could integrate into that offense while well, he could be the receiving back, he'd have a little upside. But that hasn't worked at all. You know, he's been a non factor since I think week two, you know. So I'm not surprised to see Chase Edmonds moved. I think it's only good news for Chase Edmonds, but with Jeff Wilson coming in and going to the Dolphins, I think that he's just going to be a thorn in the side of Raheem Mostert. Uh, I think this is going to look more like um, a committee at at backfield, in the backfield. It's a passing offense too, so it's already tough to trust a running back. We saw it last week, you know, with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill both going over 30 points, and then Jeff, not Jeff Wilson, Raheem, Raheem Mostert had seven points. You know, it was a relatively quiet outing. I'm expecting to see more of that, so adding a new running back, They replaced Chase Edmonds as soon as they got rid of Jeff Wilson. They're clearly not ready to just have Raheem Mostert take the keys and lead the backfield. They want to have more than one guy involved. So for me, you know, it's just the exact same situation for Mostert with just a little bit more risk because Jeff Wilson, you know, is familiar in the offense. I think he could be a contributor much better than um, Chase Edmonds was.
1: So do you think it's possible to still have a chance to sell Raheem Mostert? Or do you think – Do you think that Jeff Wilson coming in is 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 just a key indicator where everyone's just like, oh man, like he has no value anymore? You think there's still a window?
0: It's it's not a no value. I think there's definitely a window, and he is one of my sells for today um, with Raheem Moster. I think that you know Jeff Wilson coming in on paper, you know, if you leave out the fact that he's familiar in the system, and some people might not you know immediately jump to that conclusion. If you leave out that fact, it looks like just a one for one, same thing. You know, you get rid of a running back, you add a running back. Neither of them like own their backfield when they're on their own respective teams, you know, with Jeff Wilson in San Francisco and coming in, Chase Edmonds didn't really have the, you know, stranglehold on the backfield unless injuries were a, a thing. So I think that it looks exactly the same on paper at this point. And that's why I'm saying get your hands off for him. right now, but I, we'll talk. about. Okay. That later.
1: Okay. Well, you can talk about it now. If you have more points to make about Je- Raheem Mostert and more, if you can sell us on selling him a little bit more, man,
0: I'll take it. Yeah, I, I would sell him. You know, I'm saying that, they, like I said, they clearly aren't interested in the backfield revolving around one player. They immediately replace Edmonds. That's one thing. They're thrifting in San Francisco. So it's hard to imagine a world where they both don't get touches. Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, like I said, you know, I think that they're going to have uh, Mike McDaniel's going to get them both involved because they got that little connection, you know, chase right. Edmonds. They brought Chase Evans in, like you said. I think they had high hopes for what he could be in Mike McDaniel's offense, but they figured out that that really wasn't working, A, in, like a few a few weeks in, that he wasn't really fitting the offense. That's why we saw Raheem Mostert get more touches. And then the same thing, you know, with, like I said, the passing offense. Why would they, you know, start running the ball and become a run-heavy team? They're not going to do that. Um, if they're throwing the ball, you know, I mean, he moster isn't really the guy to be doing that. I think Jeff Wilson's a step down in terms of receiving ability from Chase Edmonds. I think they have two similar running backs now, so I'm I'm not sure how much we're going to see uh, the pass game in the backfield. But um, you know, that's just bad news for both of them if they're on the ground in the ground game. I don't see any of these guys eclipsing you know 70 yards on a regular basis. I think we're looking at more like 30, 40 yards, complementary to um, help just complement the passing offense. That's going to be driving the offense.
1: That makes sense. Now. When you look at Chase Edmonds' fit in Denver, the Broncos are also an outside zone run scheme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure if it's gonna work out there either. However, he is apparently being brought in as the passing down guy. Okay. And you know, yeah. the one thing that Edmonds does have an upper hand on is the fact that a couple things, right? Melvin Gordon was in the doghouse earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, you know his head coach was talking about, oh, he's going to start, and then Latavius Murray ends up getting more carries than him that game, right? Mm-hmm. And Latavius Murray's Latavius Murray, right? Like not a whole lot of competition here for Chase Edmonds. Okay, you know we could see him enter the at that rotation. You know we could on early downs even we could see him play over Latavius Murray at some point with Melvin Gordon being the primary one a like bigger back. It's possible we might see a. Uh, a, a Melvin Gordon, Chase Edmonds 1A, 1B situation at some point. Yeah. The reason why I think Edmonds is a little bit of a winner because, like, the dude, he had zero fantasy value. He had, like, he was done. Like, this yeah. year, like, it was a lost year for him if he stayed in Miami. Like, if Raheem Mostert stayed healthy the entire year, who knows if Chase Edmonds would have been the guy, even if Mostert went down, to be honest, mm-hmm. because they were trying other backs out. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, the, they, they kind of knew that, like, hey, if Mostert ends up getting hurt, we can't have Edmonds as our lead guy. It, would, it wasn't going to work out, right? So right. we'll see what happens in Denver. It, it's not a scheme fit, but these two other running backs ahead of him, they have their own issues, and Edmonds could potentially, you know, overcome, like, his own issues because of the other running backs they have on their roster. It looks crowded, but it might not be as bad as it looks.
0: Right, and you say about it looking crowded, it's true, but what Chase Edmonds has working for him is he's bringing something they don't already have to the offense in the offense to the offense. And that's the pass catching ability. You know, Latavius Murray is not a pass catcher. Melvin Gordon, you know, he was a pass catcher back in the day, but he's just been struggling recently and it doesn't seem like they're too, you know, enamored with the idea of keeping him as, you know, a clear-cut RB1 giving him the majority of the carries. They've been mixing it up a little bit. Chase Evans, you know, he adds a dimension to the offense like I said, the passing game. It'll it'll almost give Russell Wilson a safety valve, you know, maybe that he didn't have before. And I think he's more the most explosive of the three right now that we're talking about the big three. It's going to be yep. Melvin Gordon, Latavius Murray and Chase Edmonds. He's the most explosive of those three in the backfield. So if Russell Wilson is going to be checking it down. Might as well get it to somebody. who's going to be able to run after the catch. I True. think this is a good add for the bank Bengals Broncos offense. And I think that, you know, he could carve himself out a nice role to the point where, He might have – it might not be the role that we want him to have in Miami where he gets like 10 carries and like some targets in the game, but he might be um, a safe enough floor player because of the receiving workload that I think he's going to get. The offense has not been that good throwing downfield, and Chase Evans could be the beneficiary just catching passes out of the backfield.
1: It is possible, for sure. Um, Now, and then, you know, with Jeff Wilson getting traded, you know, Elijah Mitchell remains the clear handcuff to Christian McCaffrey when he's healthy, (laughs) when he becomes healthy, right? Right. I definitely want to – because – you, know, you never know. If Christian McCaffrey were to ever get hurt, you never know. Elijah Mitchell might have been sharing the load a little bit with Jeff Wilson, given how well he's been playing this year. Right. All right. Let's move on to Chase Claypool, uh, who was traded to the Bears, giving Justin Fields another weapon to work with. Now, you have to upgrade Fields, right? Yeah. Because he literally had no one to throw to outside of Darnell Mooney. I don't think Claypool was worth a second-round pick. No. But I'll say this. But I think it's worth – giving Fields, you know, more to work with, right? Whoever it is, uh, you know, just to help him in his progression that we're seeing right now, right? He's improving, right? And at this moment, to give him another weapon right now, in this moment that Justin Fields is going through, I think it's a good move. You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. I think he can continue to improve right now. And you can can only go so far and do so much without a couple of solid weapons, right? His ceiling was capped, right? And I, I hope... You know, as a result of this trade, the Bears start to let fields drop back more. Over the past five weeks, he's averaging less than 23 pass attempts per game. Over those games, he's dropped back 163 times, which is 16th in the NFL. So that's not bad, right? Yeah. And, and that might even go up a little bit more with this news. Um Now, as far as Claypool's value, even with a big, you know, like even with a little bit of an uptick in overall pass attempts, like I don't think there will be enough to go around for him and Mooney, and mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I have no idea what, what people generally think about this, but like I prefer Mooney uh, because he's yeah. shown the ability to be efficient. He's shown the ability to to ha- command a large target share, command a large air yard share. He's a good wide receiver, and I just think he's a better wide receiver than Chase Claypool. Um, you know, he's been able to put up production in like a terrible pass environment right passing environment right this season and and even last season to be honest with you and you know claypool has not shown that ability himself um but you know i do find it i do find it kind of funny though like just to kind of bring this up that chase claypool did in fact announce his replacement at the draft yeah that is when he he went up to the podium (laughs) you know and then and announced that the steelers were drafting george pickens and everyone at that moment was like this dude is literally announcing his his replacement replacement. and that's literally
0: what happened (laughs) but it's just how it goes
1: (laughs) his his replacement like this trade is great for him it's great for george pickens it's Mm -hmm. great for deontay johnson it's great for pat frymuth uh because claypool you know he was getting a decent number of targets per game you know five six seven eight targets a game and like you know those targets need to go somewhere and now it's probably going to be a lot more tightly distributed between those three guys so the steelers receivers I think are, you know, get a little nice win here with Claypool moving on to the Chicago. But what are your overall, that was a lot. Sorry, Zach, but like, what what are your overall thoughts of this trade?
0: I think Chase Claypool has a chance to be a lot better than, you know, you just described. You know, I'm not saying that he's going to be a wide receiver one. I'm not saying he's going to be a high end wide receiver two or even a wide receiver two. But I think he has a chance to be a lot better on the Bears than he was on the Steelers. He was competing with some very good receivers. You know, George Pickens is nothing to sneeze at. It's clear that Kenny Pickett, you know, had a connection with him. And we know Deontay Johnson, you know, he commands targets and he's a good receiver. You know, he gets that target share every week, regardless of whether they're winning or they're losing. That's just how Deontay Johnson is. And Pat Frymouth was, you know, having a quiet breakout season. Obviously, you can call it a breakout because the tight end landscape is just so barren. But, you know, he was also showing a little connection, too, with Kenny Pickett. And the quarterback situation was bad in uh, Pittsburgh. He goes to a still a uh, questionable, you know, at this point, quarterback situation in Chicago. But with Justin Fields, it seems like he's more on the upswing. And there's not that much competition when you look at it. It might look like a crowded room. You know, you see the guys that he's been throwing to, Dante Pettis and um, Equinemius St. Brown. And we know that Darnell Mooney's there. Cole Comanche just scored his first touchdown since 2020 last week. That's not going to keep happening. So you don't have to worry about him. So, but when you look at it, I think Chase Claypool is better than everybody except maybe, like you said, Darnell Mooney. So this is a nice wide receiver, too, addition to the Bears' offense. He's he's a big receiver, which the Bears don't really have, even though Equinemius St. Brown, he's a little bit taller than most of them. But it adds a new dimension to this passing attack, I think, that the Bears aren't, haven't had. He's a solid overall receiver, so just a new target and a new toy for Justin Fields to play with at a good time, too, with him coming off his best offensive performance. I think this could be a nice addition. You know, he could quietly have some good games and provide some value as a wide receiver three and a really nice flex play, I think, on a week-to-week basis. So I actually like this move, even though um, the Steelers, you know, may have received a little bit more than they should have in return. They probably – how do you think that phone call went when they were talking about facilitating this trade? They're like, yeah, he's a talented receiver. Our quarterback situation sucks, though. He'd probably be good with Justin Fields. You know, he's like, (laughs) just sell him on that. Remember that four-touch – was it a four-touchdown game? Remember that four-touchdown game in 2020? (laughs) I'm sure
1: I'm sure Mike Tomlin like he probably muted the phone and looked at everybody in the room and said, They're offering us a second round pick. Yeah. And then (laughs) we'll just just Take it, take it, take it, take it. Right. You unmuted. All right, you
0: got yourself a deal. It's close. It's close, he goes. Close, you know. We, we think you might be worth more, but we will take it. We'll do you a solid here because neither of us are going anywhere this year. But. I do the same
1: thing in fantasy football trades. Like, it, like when I offer a trade and it gets accepted, and I I have a feeling that I really like won that deal. Yeah, I I, I still like even though after they accepted it, like I try to make them like reassured, and yeah. I'll like send send over a text or something. I'll be like, hey, great deal, man, great deal. You know, you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 just one of those things. I need a receiver, so you my know. favorite
0: line, my favorite line. <laughs> Hopefully this works out. <laughs> Hopefully it works out. <laughs> Hopefully
1: it works out. Hopefully this
0: score. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So moving
1: on to, I wanted to talk. Okay, so so, so you like Claypool a little bit more. Okay, okay. Yeah. that's good. I I like it more for the offense and Justin Fields and you know this offense to continue to move. But yeah. But but, but okay, I, I, I can that. see that. I mean Claypool has had his games. You know, he could potentially have a few games, you know, this year, you know, on that offense, maybe being a more of a focal point. Right. For that offense. Um, And and we'll see. Like, I I would bet on Mooney to maintain target share and air yard share and all of that. Yeah. But it's possible that Clay. I wonder where Claypool plays. I'm you know, he was playing the slot for the Steelers. Like, I I would assume he'll play on the outside, but maybe they go to 11. Yeah. Maybe he'll go 11 personnel and play out of the slot. But we'll see. We'll see. He hasn't had so much success on the outside, but we'll see what they choose to do in Chicago moving forward. I wanted to touch on Calvin really real quick. You know, he was traded to the Jaguars, obviously still suspended for the rest of this year. uh, And this move definitely helps Trevor Lawrence right uh, next year. With Calvin, really yeah. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, right? He'll have a solid wide receiver core, assuming all those guys are still there, assuming those guys are healthy, and assuming Calvin really gets reinstated because he still has to wait on that and, you know, get Roger Goodell's blessing. But uh
0: nice little upgrade for Lawrence in Dynasty. Yeah, in Dynasty, I think that's definitely how it's going to go. Um... You know, Calvin Ridley suspended. It's hard to get excited because he's not going to be playing, you know, at all this season. It's like, <laughs> wow, they added a player that we're not going to be able to see till next year. That doesn't help anybody. But it doesn't look like the Jaguars are going anywhere. You know, they're still in, it looks like, a rebuild. Trevor Lawrence, you know, people give him crap for not being as good as advertised. You know, he was a really good prospect coming out of college. Um, He's had some rough teams to work with. And they are getting better, but it's just the way it's going. I, I We still got to give him a chance, I think, that next season. With Calvin Ridley, things are going to be a lot easier um, for Trevor Lawrence moving forward. That's the biggest upgrade. I'm not sure what Calvin Ridley's going to do. We haven't seen him. He's been out of football for a long time, almost like Michael Thomas esque amount of time. So we'll see how he looks coming back in an offense that isn't really that good. But unless we see major steps taken, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to project anything for next season. But this could be yeah. good. I think Calvin Ridley. I don't know his fantasy value at this point. I I think it's about the same. You know, he he was going to be competing with Garrett Wilson and Kyle Pitts if he did come back and play for the Falcons, you know, next year. But I'd say the offense, even though he is probably the clear number one there, I'm not sure his value moves up that much higher than it was. I think it might just stick around right where it was.
1: Yeah, when he got suspended, I was saying just to sell him. Like if you can get like a 2023 second, go ahead. Yeah, sell him. If you if you Mm -hmm. get anything less than that, like don't. But a 2023 second, I was willing to sell him for. I still am, by the way. Um, Josh, was Sanders put this in the chat, uh, in the live on YouTube. I overpaid for Justin Fields in in this in Superflex, LOL, uh, all caps LOL. Yeah. Sent him Derek Carr and Tyler Boyd. Josh, this is not an
0: overpay. No, it's not. Oh my it's god, it's not an overpay. No. I would Especially after the I would week that we just happen. saw Derek Carr have. No, not an overpay. <laughs> Derek, Look, Derek what Carr. What we, we say? What did we
1: say in our rankings episode, the quarterbacks rankings episode? I literally said, I'm ranking Derek Carr high this week. You know what that means. When all the expectations are on Derek Carr to perform a certain week, what does he do? He shits the bed. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. single time he does not disappoint. So here's what we're going to do good matchups, we're not going to rank him high anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mediocre like to bad, gonna... Mediocre to bad matchups, we'll put him like where he belongs, which is like QB 15. Yeah. No matter what. Okay. Right. Oh, I'm glad we're... I, I
0: said we called him at least I called him sidecar and he's not doing that job he's not helping Devontae <laughs> Adams he's not doing his job it wasn't a good week he has no rushing upside Justin Fields is rushing you know we're talking about him as a potential QB one now that's easily in super flex the value that you just got there you just upgraded for pretty much nothing okay Tyler Boyd he, chances are he was on your bench you know or maybe you're starting him at flex this week because Jamar Chase was out but that that's a really good deal for me seriously man